many things during this talk. Uh, I'll be explaining the meaning of certain words. I will use illustrations. But there is just one main question that I want to put before each one of us. It is a question that I pray by God's grace. I'll answer to that question at the beginning of this talk will be different when we come to the end of the talk. That whatever answer you might give now at the beginning, when we come to the end of this talk, that answer to this question will be different. That by the gracious working of God upon all our hearts, by His Word, by His Spirit, the answer to that question will be different when we come to the end. And the question is, how big is your Jesus? How big is your Jesus? Because unless I am completely mistaken, and please don't take this personally, if, if I do this, there's one finger at you, but three fingers is at myself, so unless I am totally wrong, your Jesus is too small. Unless I'm totally wrong, your Jesus is too small. Now, I'm not saying that you have a wrong view of Jesus. I'm sure most of us here have a, a biblically correct view of Jesus. But what happens is that over time, even the right view of Jesus can shrink. That even if we are holding on to a biblical understanding of Jesus, the magnitude and significance of that truth, that understanding, can shrink over time. And so, we end up with having a small Jesus in our minds and in our hearts. And small Jesus is no match for the lure and trappings of career and money. And so we end up pursuing career and money harder than we pursue Jesus. Small Jesus is able to get us out of the bed on a Sunday morning, and that's why many of you are here. Small Jesus is able to inspire us to serve and help out in some way, but small Jesus finds it very hard to get us to make real and costly sacrifices, much less to suffer for Him. Small Jesus will struggle to get us from living for ourselves and for the passing treasures of this world, to instead live for Him and for His eternal kingdom. And so I ask again, how big is your Jesus? Now friends, the reason why our answer to that question can, in the grace of God, be different uh, at the end of the talk to now is because we are going to be looking at the Bible. And I'm going to pray for you and for myself that God would be merciful and kind, that through His Word, He would enlarge and magnify Jesus 
in each of our minds and hearts. So please pray with me. Oh God, we look to you. We look to you, the one who first opened our eyes the day when we were converted, the day when we were brought from death to life and you opened our eyes to see the truth of yourself, the truth of what you have done for us in Jesus. And so we look to you now that as we hear and read and hear your word explained, oh God, you would be merciful. You would be gracious to expand in our minds just who Jesus is. That the magnitude and significance of who he is and what he has done will be enlarged in our vision. And we pray this, that you might be glorified and, the, and that we might be greatly blessed. Amen. So the passage is Philippians 2, 5-11. And I want you to notice the larger context of this passage. The, the larger context of this passage is missions. And today is Mission Sunday. I've chosen a missions passage. And the larger context of this passage is missions. Turn to chapter 1, verse 12. Paul has finished giving his thanksgiving, which is the uh, routine thing to do. And now he uh, launches into the next routine thing to do, which is to tell his readers about uh, himself, his plans. But you see how Paul has done it. In verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me See, so he's telling them about you know, what's happening on his end. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The advancement of the gospel. That's, that's a very succinct way of understanding what missions is. Missions is seeing the gospel advance. Okay? So right from the start, Paul, missions minded. And then look with me to 127. 127, he says, and this is the heart of the Philippian letter, these verses here. But we'll just look at the first verse. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Submissions, that he wants them to be together in harmony, united, contending for the faith of the gospel. And then, one more. Chapter 2, verse 14. This is after our passage. And he says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold out the word of life. So, we see that Paul's primary purpose in the passage we're looking at today, one of his primary purposes for this passage is to get people, God's people, to live for the mission. That in seeing and understanding this about Jesus, we may more and more live 
for the mission. Now the passage may be divided into two parts. Verse 6 to 8, humiliation. And verse 9 to 11, exaltation. So the first one, verses 6 to 8, humiliation. Verse 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now we hear that, and I think most of us think that what Paul is saying, even though Jesus was God, he did what was unthinkable for God to do. Now, is that what it says? Because, look at your Bibles. Where is the phrase, even though? Now, okay, I know some of you may be using the ESV, and the ESV says, though he was in the form of God, right? Now that, unfortunately, is where the ESV has got it wrong. The, the word is not there. Okay, the NIV has translated, translated it a lot better. And the idea is, precisely because, you know, Jesus, who being in very nature God, so precisely because Jesus was God, He made Himself nothing. That this is something that God does. That God would do this. This is... When Jesus does this, we are seeing what God does, that he will do this for the sake of others. This is what God is like. Precisely because he was God, Jesus did this. And this point is reinforced by the next phrase in verse 6. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That, that though he was God, he did not exploit his position as God. He did not... He did not use his godness to be used to his own selfish advantage. And so the point again, precisely because Jesus is God, and while he was God, it was as God he made himself nothing, became a human, and became a slave. Now why? Why did he do that? Well, verse 8 tells us. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Because God, as God, cannot die. God has to become human in order to die on the cross. And so Jesus did all that in order so that he could be obedient and die on the cross. And so down, down, down in humiliation, Jesus went down even to dying on a Roman cross. And why? Why did he do that? Why did the Father issue such a command? And why was Jesus obedient to that? Now some people have said, looking at this passage, that Jesus is here showing us a great example of selflessness. And it is just that, showing us the example of selflessness. But imagine if you have um, uh, Irvin getting up and he says, Okay, church, in my years 
being with you, I've been very proud. But now I want to show you, I've changed, and I want to show you how selfless I am. And so Irvin, when the service is over, goes to the door there and lies down. And he wants everyone to step on him as we walk out. To show how selfless he is. Would that show how selfless he is? Yes. But would that achieve anything? No. Except a lot of bruises on his back. But it would achieve nothing. But for the selfless sacrifice of Jesus, we must insist that there was, there is a purpose. And the purpose was mission. The purpose was so that God's mission to save would be accomplished. Now, if there are some of you here today, and you are not a Christian, you are going to hear some very good news. If you lived for another a hundred years, you will not hear better news than this. You will not hear better news than what I am about to tell you, which is what Jesus did. And the, and the news, the good news, has to do with the fact that you are a sinner. Now, that's not the good news. But the fact is, you are a sinner. But not just you. All of us, every human being is a sinner who has rejected and rebelled against God. But God, in His mercy, wants to save His people. And the only way He can do that is that there there be a human representative. And so... Jesus is that human representative. But if if Jesus was solely and purely human, and if Jesus was punished, all he would be punished for was his own sin. And so that's why it was as God that Jesus became human, so that as human, he could represent all of us, but as God, he could take upon himself the penalty and wrath of our sin and bear it for us. That is the good news. That even though you and I are sinners who deserve God's wrath, Jesus, the God-man, as man, he could represent us and as God, he could bear it all. Isn't that good news? Friends, Because of who Jesus is, because of who it was that was on the cross bearing it all. Not just us, you know, not just humans, not just the people on earth, but if God wanted to, every planet in the galaxy, every planet in the universe that has beings that are created by God, those who have also sinned against it, everyone out there, their sins could be borne by the God man because it was God, the infinite one, bearing our sin, bearing the wrath for us. Every, I mean, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think you would come this morning expecting us to talk about aliens, but I just did. But forget about aliens. You, your sin, has been born on the body of Christ, the God-man. And so, Jesus lived, and Jesus died for the mission. And we see that he could not have been more focused, he could not have been more single-minded, 
he was all about accomplishing the mission so that others, others might be saved and have life. Jesus was about the mission. God the Father was about the mission. And so it stands to reason that we ask ourselves, is your life about the mission? Are you living for the mission? And if not, why are you wasting your life? Now, don't get upset at me. Don't get too worked up. Why did I use such severe language? Well, let's look at the next few verses. Exaltation. We saw humiliation, and now we see exaltation. Verses 9 to 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now let me try and explain these verses by telling you about my two kids. My two kids who shall remain nameless. You know, sometimes we have guests over and the kids are very excited and they want to entertain the guests and they want to show the guests you know, their toys and all that. But sometimes they get so excited that they do stupid things. And so Marie and I will just shake our heads and, oh, you know, why, why did you do that? Don't do that. And we are embarrassed. We are, you know, ashamed in front of our guests because of the way our kids behaved. But on that day, when Jesus was convicted of blasphemy, when he was mocked and spit upon and punched, when he was forced to carry his cross and walk the walk of shame, and when he was finally stripped naked and hung to a Roman cross, and even those who were passing by mocked and insulted him, the Father was not ashamed. The Father exalted him. The Father gave his highest approval. The, the Father exalted him to the highest place. And he said, gave him the name that is above every name. The Father was not ashamed. The Father vindicated the Son. And now there will be no name greater than that of Jesus. And that at this name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Friends, do you get it? Do you, do you see what the Bible is telling us here? This is how big Jesus is. He is so worthy and so brilliant that that day will come when everyone who has ever lived and everyone who will be born, everyone will bow the knee to Him. There will be no exception. There will be no stubborn person standing in the corner and say, No, I will not. Either they do it willingly now, that by faith we see the greatness of God and, and we do 
confess him as Lord now, or the day will come when even the most stubborn atheist cannot but admit he is Lord and have to bend the knee, but bend the knee in terror and shame because it will be too late by then. Friends, the point is Jesus is worthy. Sooner or later, everyone will recognize that. And friends, if you understand this, then you understand why I'm saying if you are not living for the mission, you are wasting your life. Because every other endeavor, every other project, every other mission will pass away. It will become nothing. Only this mission, only this mission will succeed. Only this mission will be triumphant at the end. Don't waste your life on some other mission. Mission to make more money, the mission to have more toys than your friends, the Mission to live for me and advance my interests. Don't waste your life. Now hear me correctly. I'm not saying we cannot be involved in other things. I'm not saying we cannot have hobbies or passions. I myself am a firm supporter of the arsenal. But the point is, that passion, the mission to want to see Arsenal be at the very top at the end cannot be a passion and a mission that has higher priority than this mission. Friends, just on Friday morning, Friday evening, sorry, I stopped at Serangoon MRT and I was walking towards next and you know when you come out of the, the, the gate, right? There's this whole tunnel and then there's a travelators and I saw a whole sea of people. Right? It was about six something. People were returning home from work and it was just a whole sea of people. Every single one of them will bow the knee to Jesus. And the mission our Lord gives us is that as many as possible will do it now, here in this life, before it is too late, but because everyone will, everyone will have to, and our mission is to, by prayer and witness, call on every nation to turn to the Lord now in this life, before it is too late. This Jesus is big. This Jesus is worthy. He deserves the worship of every single person. Every person in China. Every person in Russia, in India. Jesus deserves their worship. He is this big. He is this good. He is this glorious. So let me ask you again. Are you living for the mission? Now, let me give you three practical suggestions how we can live for the mission. Number one, 
get down on your knees. Get down on your knees and pray. Now, I don't mean that you have to do this literally. You can pray standing up. You can pray sitting down. But this is just uh, to help us remember. Start. If you haven't been praying regularly for missions, start. Don't, don't, don't try and run before you can walk. Start just by praying one line. Begin there. Don't start that, okay, I've got to work through Operation World. No, no. If you, if you haven't been praying regularly for missions, let me encourage you to start generally. Start with one line. God, may your glory fill the earth. Start there. Or if you know of some specific work or people, pray specifically for them. Get updates and commit to praying for them. Now the mistake and the temptation that I make is that sometimes I think, oh, this guy, yes, he's in Peru, but he's just serving as a Sunday school teacher. That's not very important. I don't want to waste time praying for him. Don't make that mistake. He's in Peru. You are not. God's using him there. He needs our prayer. So don't make the mistake of saying this work is too small, too unimportant. I don't see the strategic value of it. No, pray generously, pray graciously for our brothers and sisters who are out there on the mission. So first one, get down on your knees. Number two, get out your wallet. These people who are out there serving uh, the local evangelists out there need financial support. And look around us. God has blessed us financially. Right? We are one of the richest people in the world. We are. And we got to ask ourselves the question, why? Was it because God knew I would be hardworking and so he blessed me financially? No, it's God who gave us the ability to work hard. It's God who gave us the opportunities here to put the gifts he's given us to work and to be handsomely rewarded for what we do. But he gives us this money so that we can be good stewards of it to give it away for his mission. The money does not belong to us. It is to be used for his work. Now, of course, we must support our families. Of course, it is very clear in the Bible that we can use the gifts God has given us to enjoy, to pursue uh, godly recreation, to do things that uh, refresh and restore us. Yes, don't hear me wrong. We can spend money on ourselves. But if we are using the money God has given us self-indulgently, then I say, don't waste your money. Don't waste that money. Give it to the mission. Get down on your knees. Get out your wallet. Number three, get involved. Get involved. Our church organizes mission trips here and there. Uh, Grace will be sharing with us about the Batam monthly trip. Get involved there. Or if you have already started doing these things and you want to explore something that is a bit longer, uh, a a month, six months, uh, then talk to the missions committee. They will be able to direct you to uh, organizations that organize these things. But the point is, get involved. 
get involved locally here, get involved in seeing cross-cultural work outside of Singapore. And the idea is this, okay, the idea is this. And uh, this is an example I heard <clears throat> on a sermon, that we want to encourage you to spend 2% of your time doing cross-cultural mission work. You know, 98% of our time we are here in Singapore, we are living as Singaporeans, but 2% of that time, get involved cross-culturally so that you can see and be exposed to the needs and what God is doing there, outside of Singapore. And so that, in God's gracious providence, He might call you, now I'm full of hope in this, that He might call some of you to reverse it, that you would spend 98% of your time as missionaries out there, and then 2% come back and visit us here. But maybe I won't be here anymore. Because I also want to be out there. I too want to be out there. I'm telling you this now. I, w- I don't want to be a pastor forever. I too want to be out there. But the point is, get involved. Okay, Get down on your knees, get out your wallet, get involved. Let me end. And I want to end with a true story of a Cambodian Christian, uh, Major Tang Trick. Okay? That's how I pronounce it. I'm not sure what it is, right? But his name is Tang Trick. Now, this is when the Khmer Rouge uh, took over Cambodia and Phnom Penh fell to the Khmer Rouge. And there was little doubt in those who had eyes to see what would happen uh, to those government leaders and even church leaders. They would they are enemies of the Khmer Rouge and they would be rounded up and executed. And so when Major Trick learned that these former government leaders, these uh, high-ranking Cambodian officials, military or otherwise, they were gathered at the French embassy, instead of running away and trying to hide his identity, because he was also a, a major and he was a Christian leader, instead of running away and trying to hide his identity, he went to the French embassy. He purposely went to where many of these fallen leaders were gathered. These people who had long hated and opposed everything that Major Chirik stood for. He went there in order to make a final appeal to them. In the hour of humiliation and imminent death, he went there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaim it to them with tears and prepared to die alongside them. Now his last letter to the outside world explains everything. Okay, and I'm going to read his letter, his last letter in full. He wrote to American missionaries, he says, My dear friends, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Please pray that this will be worked out in my life. Your brother in Christ, Tiang Trick. Friends, how big is your Jesus?